I have sang that song, what, uh, what song was it? Uh, no, there's power in the blood. I've sang that my entire life. I have never sang it like that before in my life though. Um, we were singing, there is power in the blood, there is power in the blood, wonder working power in the blood. Where I'm from, and I've caught myself singing it this way, there's power. Power in the blood, power in the blood. And it's just P-O-W apostrophe R, R, R. And that's the way we say it where I'm from. I've never actually pronounced the word power before. It's a good change. I was cracking up singing it. I was like, I don't even know how to sing like that. That's the whole word. Anyway, on to to our time in the Word here today. We've been, for some of you who are new, we've been going through a, a fairly lengthy series called I Hear Him, just focusing on listening to Jesus, the different things He said, especially commands, instructions that He gave us on how to be His disciples, how to be like Him. Today we're going to be, in again, in Matthew's Gospel, the 20th chapter, verses 20 through 28. I'll give you a moment to turn there. I'm always kind of interested in... We, we get to these things that Jesus says, and we can jump down to just the Jesus saying part, uh, but the, the context, the, the, the setup for Jesus' response are often, uh, just very interesting and important to what we're kind of trying to understand today. So we're in Matthew's Gospel, the 20th chapter, starting with verse 20, and we'll read through 20 through 28 so we can see the setup and then what Jesus said, what we're going to hear him say today. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons, bowing down and making a request to him. And she said, and he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, command that in your kingdom, these two sons of mine may sit on your right and on your left. But Jesus answered, do you know what you're asking? Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? They said to him, we are able. He said to them, my cup you shall drink, but to sit on my right and my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those of whom it has been prepared by my father. And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you, but whoever wishes To become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. It's interesting that last week our sermon we were talking about denying yourself. And and this command that we must deny ourselves to be able to be Jesus' followers. So here we have James and John, the son of Zebedee, these great disciples, really exemplifying self-denial for us right now. They're coming up and saying, we can do whatever you do. Yeah, we can drink your cup. We want to sit at your right hand and your left hand. We want the, the most prestigious places within, within the kingdom. They're just, they're just exemplifying humility in all ways. Now we're going to say it's not them. It was mom who was there to beg this on their behalf. But, but I think they're kind of cowering behind mom and let mom do the dirty work for them. You know, that they're, they're not minding what she's doing. They're not saying, no, no, mom, don't do that. They're like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And then we find out how humble the rest of the disciples are because they all get upset thinking, dang, we missed our chance. They beat us to the punch. You know, and they're, they're upset that these guys would try to get what they probably wanted themselves. 
And so Jesus gives us a response to us today that I really want us to hear what Jesus says. And it comes from later in that verse, down in verse 27, 26 and 27. And it's, it's what scholars call a parallelism. It's a, a kind of a poetic device that Jesus employs. It's two lines, kind of like a haiku. You know, it's a, it's a kind of a poetic device that Jesus uses. Whoever wishes to become great shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first shall be your slave. And so you can see kind of how this continues. If you want to be great, be the servant. And that's, that's one level. It's kind of, it's actually the word dekanos that, that has like this deacon, this table waiter idea. Be a, be a servant. Be a person who waits on tables. But if you want to be first, not just great, but if you want to be number one, then you need to be slave, which is in the Greek word doulos, which is like the lowest person in the house. Not just a waiter, but like the nobody in the house, if that's what you want to be. And so what Jesus, I think, is really telling us is what the title of the sermon is, that, that we, his followers, we're to seek to serve. That's our purpose. We're not to, we're to be on a mission. We're to seek out service. And I want us to see how that applies within this story today. To think about us as Jesus followers, what our service is all about. Because it really is a great companion. This, this call to service is really a great companion sermon to what we talked about last week. About self-denial. About getting over ourselves. About how to be humble and how to fight pride. And so that's kind of the first point here. Jesus followers service, our service, aids in the war against pride or self-centeredness. Last week we were talking about this necessity to be humble, that we must take up our cross, deny ourselves, that, that one, the great idol that we fight against ourselves is the self of, is the idol of self. And our service for others aids us in that war against pride. It's really our service that helps us overcome this, this tendency, this, this kind of inclination that we have to think of ourselves first. And so Jesus' call, his instructions to seek to be servants really aids us where we need it the most. Because there's something we can find out in this passage that, that's kind of really interesting. If you think about what happened there early in the passage, that the idea of great faith and pride can coexist at the same time. Just because we have great faith doesn't relieve us from our struggle with pride. Because think about what John and James's mother say, those sons of Zebedee, what their mother says. says, When you enter your kingdom, see, she's expecting God's kingdom. She's expecting Jesus to succeed. She's acknowledging your kingdom is coming. You are going to accomplish. You will be who you are. It's, it's really an expression of faith. When your kingdom comes, put my boys first. You see, you see that she has a one statement of great faith and then she follows it up with a great statement of pride. Make these guys number one. And so we can have, just because we have great faith and know who Jesus is, fully believe in him, we're still in this war against self, against pride against and we need humility and so this call to service aids us in that war now i want to talk about humility i've shared this with a lot of people in different settings 
There's really two types of humility that's out there that are required for you and I to serve. Two types of humility required for service. One is lesser and the other is greater form of of humility. The first, the lesser one, is what I will call the humility to be aware of the other. That that we have to kind of get our eyes off ourselves, stop thinking about ourselves, to 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 think about others, to look at others, to consider what does someone else need, what can I do to serve them, and so there's a humility we have to to just forget ourselves and start to look at other people's lives, to see where we can serve to see how we can serve, to see what their needs are, what their preferences are. And so that takes one type of humility that kind of just getting over ourselves. But this is the lesser humility. This is kind of the easy humility for us to do. Um, Because if you're really honest, sometimes we have to be really careful that we can be humble enough to serve others. But sometimes that service can lead us right back around to being proud of ourselves. You know, look what I did for somebody else. You know, I, I feel so, and, and those of us who have been on mission trips, those who have served other people, sometimes we get that good feeling inside. You know, that that's a sense of pride. I've done something good for someone. And that makes me feel good about who I am. And so we have to be careful with this this humility because it can come around and lead us right back into a sense of pride. But there is a humility that has no pride in it. It's the greater humility, and it's what I call the humility to allow the other. You think about it in any service kind of scenario. There's two people. There's the server and the servee. The server has to have that humility to be aware of what the other person needs. The greater humility is the servee's humility, the one who's willing to accept help from someone else. This is the one we really struggle with. This is the one that really cuts us in the heart because it means I'm helpless. It means I'm in need. It means somebody's going to do something for me that I can't do for myself. And there is no pride in that. And that's the one people struggle with. That's the one people fight against. But it requires both of these for people to serve. One, being aware of what other people need. And the other, the greater humility, the one who said, and I will allow you to help me. And so for those of us, when we get the chance to go and serve somebody, when we are are able to at least form that first humility and see what somebody else's needs and, and try to go serve that person, if they have the greater humility and allow you to do it, you know what we should do? Thank them. Thank you for allowing me to obey my Lord. You see, if that person with that, if the, if the other person didn't allow us to serve, we couldn't be obedient to Jesus who told us to serve. And so they're giving us an opportunity to obey the Lord himself. And so we should say, thank you. Thank you for having that great humility that allows me to do this little thing in your life. This, this service to you. It is an honor. It is a privilege. It is a, it is a great gift to me that you will allow me to do that. And you see, that way, the first humility now becomes true humility because it's not about me feeling good about me doing something. It's me thanking the person for them having the greater humility to allow me to serve my Lord. And so it takes both 
for us to truly serve. And you can see how that wars against pride and self when we do that that way. And so our service aids us in denying ourselves and fighting our pride. The Jesus follower's service is, a me- is the method advancement of advancement. Our service is our method for advancement. Now see, you think about it. Jesus says, if you wish to be great, if you wish to be first, the, the desire is the same as people in the world. Everybody wants to get a leg up. Everybody wants to do a little bit better than they did. They, we, we have this natural drive within us to, to kind of excel, to be good at something and to move forward. And what Jesus says, if you want to be good as one of my followers, that's the, the desire is the same. The method of our advancement is what's very radically different. He says, you know, the Gentiles and their great men, they lord it over them. There's actually a philosopher in the Greek time who said, you know, you're not to be satisfied until all are your servants. That this was the, the goal of life is to, to be in a place where everyone was your servant and you served no one. Jesus said, that's not the way it is with you. You're the other way. Your method of advancement is by taking the back seat, by denying yourself, by being humble. It's, it's a completely different way of functioning, which isn't unusual. Everything within the scriptures, the economy of heaven is always upside down. If you want to be last, be first. If you want to live, die. If you want to gain, give. You know, everything in the Bible, the economy of heaven is completely the opposite, upside down of the economy of earth or this world. And so, again, we see that, that our way of advancing is by going backwards, so to speak. And so we're told to be like Jesus, to serve and not be served. That really our focus is completely different. Where the world says, focus on yourself, take care of number one, look out for your needs. I mean, we, it's become popular within pop culture and pop psychology. You know, you can't love others. Y'all, y'all have heard this enough in your life. Probably know what the rest of the sentence is. You can't love others until you love yourself. And Jesus says, you can't love others until you can't love you, until you're not loving yourself. That's what Jesus says, you know, that it's backwards and we're just told to promote ourselves but the disciple serves is not to be served this is markedly different from the way the rest of the world lives this would be one of those marks we should look for ourselves is my service is my love of others greater than my love of self this is one of the marks of a christian because it's markedly different i want you to think about a number of verses. Really, our focus as a as a Jesus follower should be always the other, not myself. The other, other people. I'm going to give you a couple of lists within the Bible. For this is given to followers. It's called the one another's of Scripture. There's a there's a laundry list of of instructions within the Scriptures about what we're supposed to do to one another. And so our focus is on the other through unity. Here's some of them. Be at peace with one another. Don't grumble among one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Wait for one another before beginning the Eucharist or the communion. Don't bite, devour, and consume one another. That there's this unity because of how we love one another. We're focused on one another and we're putting the other first. 
that we focus on the other. Oh, don't boastfully challenge or envy one another. Gently, patiently tolerate one another. Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving to one another. Bear with and forgive one another. Seek good for one another and don't repay evil for evil. Don't complain against one another. Confess sins to one another. The Bible is pretty heavy on this focusing on the other people thing. And sadly, that's just the first one. There's the focusing on others through love. All the scriptures love one another. Through love, serve one another. Tolerate one another in love. Great, uh, greet one another with a kiss of love. By the way, you can contextualize that to a handshake or a hug if you want to today. Be devoted to one another in love. Our, more focus on the other through humility, not focusing on ourselves. Give preference to one another in honor. Regard one another more important than yourself. Serve one another. Wash one another's feet. Don't be haughty, but be of the same mind. Be subject to one another. Clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. And then a few kind of miscellaneous ones, just kind of getting over our, uh, through our selflessness, focusing on others. Don't judge one another, but put, or put a stumbling block in your brother's way. Greet one another with a kiss. Bear one another's burdens. Speak truth to one another. Don't lie to one another. Comfort one another according to the, uh, concerning the resurrection. Encourage and build up one another. Stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Pray for one another. Be hospitable to one another. I mean, if we just started living out those lists, we wouldn't have time to think of ourselves. Because what is the focus? It's all on the other. It's all, this is our way to service. This is our way to greatness. Focus on the other. I want to say a, a, just a little blurb about the one another's before we move on to, from those to this next point. It is true that those are all addressed in the context of all those commandments are to the brethren, or to our brothers and sisters, our fellow believers, to those within our family, the church. That's how they're usually dressed. The one another's is to other believers. And that we're supposed to do all this to one another here in this place. But just because those are addressed specifically to how we act within the brotherhood, our family, doesn't give us license to treat those outside the family less than that. I actually believe that they're instructed to us as believers because the church, what we called our brotherhood, is where we practice loving one another and doing the other things and focusing on the other so that we can go out of this church and do the same thing to people out there who aren't our brothers. That first we practice it here among one another and then go do it to the others outside the world, those who would not be believers and so this is our kind of our gym to work out that's the place we that's the field in which we play jesus followers service is modeled when we start talking about our service it's not just kind of haphazard it's not just seek to serve go serve but it's a model for us to follow that we can kind of say this is how i do it Jesus speaks two words in, in verse 28 that, that should really cause us to pause and think about service for a moment. Just as, is what he says, verse 28. 
just as the Son of Man. This is Jesus referring to himself. You could write it down this way. Just as I, just as Jesus, just as my Lord. It's the just as, though, that gets us. He's not saying, just go serve and do your own thing. He's going, seek to serve just as I served. There's a model for us to follow. It's not just a... a to do our own thing and figure it out, that there's a kind of a standard for us to pursue. You know, you can't write those words in church just as without thinking of the, the great hymn, just as I am, you know, just as I am without one plea, six verses, sang that song more times than I've sang power in the blood, all six verses, that Jesus accepts us just as we are, but we are to model our lives just as he is. John chapter 13, verses 12 through 15, make this explicit. This is right at the beginning of the Last Supper. And Jesus says, So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said, Do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. And so as we think about God's service, as we think about the service of Jesus, as we start thinking and using this as a model for our service, how have you been served by Jesus? What has he done for you? What has he instructed you to do? What have you seen him do? I've actually considered, to be honest with you, a second sermon series following this one. This one being the I hear him. The next one being called the I see him. And looking at all the passages where we see what Jesus did to people. How he interacted with people. Who he would interact with. And how he loved people. And say, if that's what he did, then I'll do the same. Because he sets the example for us. One great thing, oops, I knew I had that in there. Finally, our service, Jesus, the Jesus follower service has a greater end in mind. That we don't just serve to get over ourselves. We don't just serve so that we can war against humility. We don't just serve so that we can advance in the kingdom to seek to be uh, what God wants us to be. We, we don't just serve just to follow Jesus. That Jesus himself in the midst of this sermon, uh, in the midst of this idea of service, reveals that our service, there's a greater thing in mind. And that's salvation. The very last phrase of that passage we read, and he gave his life a ransom for many. That his service wasn't just to serve. He came to serve and not be served so that his, his life would be a ransom for many. And so at least a portion of our idea of serving is so that we have this greater end in mind. That we want to introduce people to Jesus. First John chapter 3, verses 16. By this we know the love. We know love. That he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives 
for the brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word and talk, but in deed and in truth. But it's that first couple of lines. We know what God's love is because of Jesus' selflessness for us. We have the opportunity to be selfless ourselves and then show the world God's love. We know God's love for us by his selflessness. Others can be introduced to his selflessness by our selflessness. That when we serve, it is a chance to introduce people to a God who loves them. Theodore Roosevelt had a famous saying. Uh, it's been hijacked by some by uh, John Maxwell in later days today, but it originally came with Theodore Roosevelt. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I think this is a good marching order for us as we share the gospel in our day. Is that if we want to get people's ears, if we want to have a chance to speak into their lives, if we want to let them give us a reason to listen to us, before we share what we know about Christ, they got to know that we care about them. And once we care about them, maybe then they'll care about what we know. This is our entry door into sharing. This is what makes much of our, our mission work different than just you know UNICEF or different from just the Red Cross or different from these organizations that we go and minister and do many of the same things around the world so that we can have a chance to share the gospel. This is why Charlene is so passionate about disaster relief. It's not just about getting the, the trees out of their yard, is it, Charlene? It's about that one little chance at the end of the day. What do you do at the end of the day every time you finish with a house, Charlene? You give them a Bible. That's right. You get together with somebody and say, here's a Bible for you. Can we say a prayer with you? Can we have a few moments to share this? That, that our service has a greater end in mind and not just the service itself. And Jesus' service had the great end in mind also, that he would ultimately serve us by saving us. So hopefully by now you're asking, how can you serve? Glad you asked. I'm sure it's all in all of your minds. And so I want to just kind of give you a couple of ideas on how, if you're sitting here saying, okay, how am I going to do this? Because the sermon title is Seek to Serve. And what I want to say is we really have to seek it. It has to be some intentionality there. Service don't just kind of happen. Uh, it's something we have to, to be on purpose about. It's something that we have to be intentional about. Something we may even have to force ourselves to do. Because it requires us to use precious resources. Not just our financial resources, but our time and our energy, and our emotional energy. And we all have a very limited amount of time, <laughs> energy, and emotional energy. And to help others, we have to invest those things. And so we have to be intentional about that. And so I'll give you a couple of heads up. Now, you know a lot of the things we do. We, we had the food pantry, had the clothing closet. Um, we have this list. If you had a bulletin today, there was a flyer put out by the diaconate. They have a 
whole list of different service ministries that our deacons kind of uh, coordinate and, and help us serve others. There's a thing in your bulletin today that you can look and see somewhere that you might find some interest, something that you can pray about and say, I think God's leading me to be involved in this area. You can check that off, turn it in. We'll try to connect you with the right people and they will employ you in service to kind of prompt you. If you're like me, sometimes you need some prompting, some encouragement, some accountability. And so we have that within these these awesome ministries here. Some other things we've done as a church that I consider service is over the last couple of years, we've had uh, at Crafters Day at ALF, we've opened our front doors just to let people use the restroom, just as a service to our community. Uh, this year, we pushed the envelope and we gave out water at the Clarion Wine Walk just because we wanted to be serving our community, whatever they're doing, we'll be right there along with them. The other day I was able to, to support a local uh, club in the community and we gave out hot dogs. First Baptist Church provided free hot dogs to anyone who would come that day just to say, we want to serve you and we care about you. I'll share with you publicly one of my great dreams to accomplish one day. I sit here every winter when it's snowing and it's raining and it's cold and watch people stand on that corner waiting for a bus. We got a little piece of property here and I dream one day of building a bus stop so the kids and the people and the people in the wheelchairs don't have to wait for the bus standing right there across from our doorstep that they could, we could provide a place for them to get out of the cold and the rain because we care about them. We just want to serve you. We'll build you a bus stop while you wait at least right here on our corner. That's the kind of thing that lets people know we care about them and we love them outside these walls. There's other opportunities you may have coming up uh, this year in September is the Good Works Weekend. This is where all the churches in the community or a number of churches in the community gather together to do service projects uh, for different organizations within our community. I left my list in the in my office this morning, but I can tell you right now there's about 19 of them and they range from everything from washing the CYS cars and vehicles to... Uh, you know, doing repairs for individuals in the community. There's a whole list of things. And in the coming weeks, this will be the September the 7th and 8th, I believe, is the weekend that we're doing it this year. We as Christians across our community join together to go out and serve our community. There's a lot of things we can agree on from church to church. Our theologies are different. Our practices are different. Our worships are different. And so we may not get together to, to have one great big community ecumenical service. But one thing we all agree on. It's what Jesus told his disciples, seek to serve. And so we come together to serve our community. And uh, if you're interested in this, I can get you the list and teach you how to sign up for that. You get to pick what you want to participate in and sign up for the day and go and do that uh, with other church members from across Clarion community in our county. So those are just some of the ideas that are out there for us to, uh, to answer to. And I'm pretty sure... Since Jesus told us to do it, if we would take time to pray and ask him what he would have us to do, he'll make it more than clear where he would have you serve. Jesus said, I came. Let me read it. It is not that way among you, but whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. 
just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. It's altogether fitting, I think, for us to sit here and today talk about service, to hear Jesus tell us about seeking to serve, and then come to the table and be confronted with just how God served us. And that this is the reason we serve others, because he served us and gave his life for us.